Hello, and welcome to Writing the Coast. I'm your host, Megan Cole, and Writing the Coast is the official podcast of the BC and Yukon Book Prizes. This is your destination for interviews, readings, and conversations with the finalists and winners of our annual prizes. On this episode, you'll hear my conversation with Julia Noble. Julia is the author of The Mystery of Black Hollow Lane, which was a finalist for the 2020 Sheila A. Egoff Children's Literature Prize. Julia is a writer based on Vancouver Island, and The Mystery of Black Hollow Lane is her first book. But as you'll hear in our conversation, she wrote so many versions of this book that it doesn't feel like her first. The Mystery of Black Hollow Lane follows Emmy, a soccer star who keeps getting bounced from private school to private school. The Mystery of Black Hollow Lane follows Emmy, a soccer star who keeps getting bounced from private school to private school. But when Emmy's parenting guru mom decides to take on the reality TV world, Emmy's shipped off to boarding school. But she arrives in Scotland with a secret and a mystery she's eager to solve. I read the mystery of Black Hollow Lane in one sitting and was totally absorbed by the characters and the mystery, and I can't wait to read the second book in the series, which was published in 2020. Julia starts us off with a reading from the mystery of Black Hollow Lane. Chapter One, The Parenting Guru. There were certain things Emmy's mother didn't really need to know. Trivial things, like whether Emmy had clipped her toenails, or that she'd stepped in something sticky at the park. But the letter in Emmy's nightstand was not a trivial thing, and if her mom found out about it, she would have pitched a fit. That's why Emmy was glad to be in New York City instead of at home in Connecticut. She wanted as much distance between her mom and that letter as possible, even if it meant suffering through another boring book launch. Having a good time, darling? Emmy's mom said as she handed her a fancy-looking glass. She took a sip and just about gagged. She didn't know what real champagne tasted like, but the fake stuff was like someone had dropped pop rocks into a bucket of rotting apples. She did her best to smile. Her mum was mad enough already. Thankfully, no one's noticed the bandage under your hat, her mum whispered. Why you insisted on playing in that soccer game today is beyond me. She smiled and waved at one of the partygoers. You knew my book launch was this afternoon, and yet... Emmy rubbed her forehead where a ridiculous hat covered three fresh stitches. What was she supposed to say? Sorry, I'm a good soccer player, Mom. I'll try to suck more. That way I won't get on the good teams. I can't just skip a match, Mom. My team, your team can certainly do without you for one game, Emmeline. Emmy cringed. It was never a good sign when her full name came out. Her mom took a sip of champagne. Listen, Emmy, there's something we need to talk about after the party. Emmy held her breath. Her mom didn't know about the letter, did she? If she had found out, if she knew what Emmy was about to do, it's about my book tour. Emmy breathed out and picked at the front of her dress. She had to put her search out of her mind tonight. The last thing she needed was her mom getting suspicious. After my tour is done, I have another project in the works. I don't want to get into the details now, but things will be a bit different. I just want you to be prepared. The nerves wriggled back into Emmy's stomach. Be prepared. That's what her science teacher, Mrs. Henry, had said during their natural disaster drill last week. Pam, there you are. A little blonde woman bustled toward them, and Emmy tried not to groan. 
She usually avoided her mom's publicist at all costs. Her mom kissed the woman's cheek. Gretchen, you've really outdone yourself with this party. Anything for my number one client? Gretchen turned to Emmy. And don't you look lovely this evening? That hat is just perfect for you. It darkens your hair so that the red isn't nearly so shocking. Gretchen smiled as if this were a compliment, but Emmy knew better. She was used to people commenting on her orangey red hair. I'm so glad you could be here tonight. It'll really play well with the crowd. Did you invite a few friends like I suggested? Uh, nobody could make it. Emmy snatched a crab puff from a passing waiter's tray and stuffed it in her mouth. She hadn't invited anybody. She'd only been at her latest private school for a few weeks and making friends had never been her strength. That would involve talking to people. Thanks, Julia. So I was doing a little reading before uh, our interview today, and I read that the Babysitter's Club was an early inspiration for you and contributed not only to a love of reading, but also writing. And I was curious what it was about those books that inspired you so much. And if you've gone, I've I've seen kind of read, redos of the Babysitter's Club in recent years, and I'm wondering if you've read any of those. Um, I have read them, actually, because my daughter is six and she loves the graphic novels, especially the um, Babysitter's Little Sister graphic novels. So we have those in abundance in our house and I still absolutely love them. I think the, the core of those books is the friendships and that's always been what has inspired me about them. And it's what um, it's one of the things that I love writing is friendships and those relationships, even even in like a dark mystery novel, it's, it's the friendships and the relationships that really stay at the core. Do you want to talk a little bit about the friendships that you uh, created in the mystery of Black Hollow Lane? Yeah, um, Emmy, when she shows up at this um, British boarding school, she doesn't know anybody. Um, and the first two people that she really connects with are um, two people named Jack and Lola. And Lola is a smart mouth Scottish girl. And she's really kind of a polar opposite to Emmy. And yet they connect really, really quickly. And I love writing Lola. She's one of my favorite characters to write. She seems to just write herself on the page. Jack is a lot quieter and more reflective, but he, like Emmy, has some secrets too. And um, those secrets play a really big role in the book. Are you a writer that really maps out your characters before you start, or do they kind of come to life on the page? I map everything out um, when I write. I I know there are people who who can just write as they go, and those people are like magical to me because I have no idea how they're able to do it. I uh, I map out everything, and I'm I'm a super outliner. So were these characters kind of central for you at the beginning? You knew exactly who they were and, and built the story around them? Yeah, especially Emmy and, and Lola. I knew who they were right away. Um, Jack took a lot more time to figure out. And I think that that part of that is because of the secrets that he has. It, it took a while for me to figure out what those secrets were and why he was hiding them. Um, so he he took longer for me to to get to know, um, but Emmy and Lola, they they just appeared right away. Yeah. 
what else inspired the book? You've mentioned friendships, but um, I mean, in some ways, it's a, a mystery book is quite a departure from the Babysitter's Club. There's a lot of common mm-hmm. elements, but um, what inspired this book for you? I was really intrigued by the idea of Emmy showing up as an American girl at a British boarding school. I loved the outsider um, mentality to that. Uh, and I wanted to I wanted to discover what she would discover. Um, when I write, I tend to ask myself a lot of questions at the beginning. So I started with the idea of a British boarding school, but then I started asking myself uh, what what kind of person would find themselves there and how would she end up there? What kind of parent would send her there? And what would she find when she got there? So I definitely asked myself, a ton of questions and and kept asking those questions for the whole time that I was writing. Yeah. That outsider perspective is so interesting because I think for a lot of readers of this book, there's a lot of those feelings kind of in the preteen, teen ages, whether it's extreme like what Emmy would have been feeling or just, you know, within their own friend groups as they're going through different changes in their own lives. Uh, was it important to connect to that for you? Yeah, I think it really was. Um, I think that part of trying to figure things out when you're around that age is trying to figure out how you fit into your family and how you fit into your friend group and the world around you. And I think that that's always going to be part of the middle grade books that I write is just trying to figure out that fitting place. What is it about the middle grade age group that you're so interested in? Oh, I love the fact that with middle grade books, you can explore more mature content um, and really like, and by mature content, I mean, um, exploring, figuring out where you are in the world and, and things that are a little bit darker. Um, Like this book has been described a bit more like a thriller light Um, So exploring those kind of darker themes while still um, having so much imagination because that imagination is still so alive and well with this age group. Yeah, I was thinking that as you were talking about it's kind of that cusp age where they can still kind of play with imagination. Like I remember being that age and I still played with Barbies and that sort of thing. And there's just like, there's those few years where that's still kind of okay. And then it tips over into like, you've got to be cool and grown up. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that, that cool factor and that self-consciousness is still, you're just kind of on the cusp of that, but still really willing to explore and get excited about things. Yeah. And you see that with the characters, too, how, you know, there there's an element of play still present for these characters. But then a lot because of what a lot of them are going through with family life and also being at a boarding school, they're kind of pushed older at the same time. Yeah, definitely. Um, And I think at this age, you are kind of being being pushed older and, and also pushing yourself older and not quite sure what that's going to look like. Yeah. I found the adult um, relationships really interesting because in some ways the, the the kids were very dependent on each other, but being that they were at a boarding school, they didn't have those parental roles either and were kind of searching for those adult relationships as well, which are so important to, to middle grade uh, readers 
how did you go about creating those adult relationships and characters? Um, still by asking lots of questions, what kind of adults would be teachers at a boarding school? What would it be like if one of them was the parent of one of the kids who was there? Um, Cause that adds a totally different dynamic. And I don't want to give too much away, but there's, there's so many intricate relationships between the adults and those relationships really, really feed into the relationships between uh, the adults and kids as well. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting too with all the adults, cause it's like, there's a seed of doubt with all of them. Like you've, they're like with Mr. Um, I'm forgetting his name now, the humanities teacher. Um, he's so nice, but you're almost suspicious of how nice he is for a while. And I, I like that kind of way you played with those, uh, those elements of a good mystery novel with all those adult characters. I definitely think that um, everybody should be a suspect in some way. <laughs> yeah. I was going to, I wanted to ask you a bit about how you landed on writing a, a mystery for your first book. Um, I think it's because I love reading mysteries. I love the puzzles. I love the whodunit. I'm an Agatha Christie junkie. So it really, it made sense for me to want to write something that I love. Yeah. What do you look for in a good mystery book? I look for twists and turns for sure. I don't want to know what happens next. And I look for characters who you can't quite figure out that you're not sure if you can trust them or not. And I definitely look for a reveal at the end that I didn't see coming. And this book is part of a series, of course, and your second book came out this year um, in the series. And I'm curious about how you map out. It's something as a, a writer I'm always interested in is the process of mapping out a series because each book has to kind of stand on its own, but then they all fit together as part of a bigger whole. And uh, I just wondered if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I mapped out a number of books, not knowing how many would actually be published, but knowing that um, if I had kind of an end goal in mind, that that would, that would be reflected in the early books as well. And so I think that, that having that end goal in mind is important, but it's also really important to have an end goal for each book as well. Um, because you want it to be satisfying to put the book away. I'm not somebody who likes really major cliffhangers at the end of a book. I think that that each book should stand on its own, but you want to leave a little bit that hasn't been resolved yet while still leaving that feeling of satisfaction at the end. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about the second book and just maybe give us a teaser for those who loved the first book, what they can expect with the second one. Um, the second book, I, I, have, I love it so much. Like genuinely, it's the best thing that I've ever written. So I really hope that, that people find it and enjoy it for sure. There are a lot of twists and turns. Um, characters who have found themselves to be dangerous in the first book um, are far more dangerous in the second. Um, so there definitely is um, an increase in that danger factor. And I think there are definitely some things 
right, right at the beginning that people probably won't have seen coming. Um, so I'm excited about that. What's it been like to share this book with, with readers and what's the response been from some of the younger readers who've got to share it with you? Oh, it's been absolutely amazing. I've gotten to see kids put reviews of this book up on YouTube, which is just like the most amazing thing. And I've heard from, from both kids and parents, some of whom have read them together, which I find fantastic because I love reading books with my daughter. It's, um, it's been really great to hear people fall in love with these characters the same way that I did um, and to be excited about what's coming next. And this year, um, the first book, The Mystery of Black Hall Lane, um, won the Silver Birch Award, which is um, a reader-based award. So kids are the ones who actually vote for the winner. And that was just one of the most humbling and amazing experiences of my life to have readers choose this book um, as something that they loved. Because this was your uh, your first book, what were some of the, the biggest uh, learning experiences you faced and, and how did you take that into the second book? Um, well, it took me eight years to write the first book and I had about two months to write the second. Oh, wow. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I, had, I, I had to learn really quickly. <laughs> But it was it was definitely a blessing to have such a long time to write the first book because I had no idea how to take an idea and turn it into a story, first of all, and then take that story and turn it into a publishable novel. That was something that that I had no clue how to do. And so I know a lot of a lot of writers will write multiple books before they're published Technically, I only wrote one, but I wrote it so many different times. It feels like I wrote five <laughs> different books and they just happen to have the same title. <laughs> Those like 25 drafts, it, all, it almost always feels like a different book each time. Yeah, yeah, it really does. In the first draft of The Mystery of Black Hall Lane, I'll let you in on a secret. Emmy's dad was still there, right there with them. It was completely different story oh wow yeah that would have been a completely different read <laughs> completely different <laughs> yeah do you share the book with people as you're writing it or or is it kind of something you keep to yourself until it's pretty close to done I share it with my husband constantly he is a narrative genius and he helps me figure out all of the plot holes and when I get stuck where to go next um so I read out loud to him a lot and then I have critique partners, so other writers that I'll share. Once I once I think that the book is good, then I'll share it with critique partners. And then I will discover that the book is not nearly as good as I thought it was. <laughs> and then I'll do quite a few rewrites. Um, and then once it's the best that I can possibly make it, then I'll share it with my agent. Um, and then we do copious amounts of rewrites after that. <laughs> yeah. Are you still thinking that it's a, a five-part series, or how is that looking now? It is going to be a two-book series. Okay. Actually. Yeah, so just two books. Um, but I am hard at work at other projects, so um, there should be more coming, just not in this series. Yeah. Are you sticking to middle-grade readers or going younger or older? Um, for the moment, I'm writing um, more middle-grade mysteries, but we will see what happens in the future. I have, I have other ideas for sure. Yeah. What does your daughter think of, of mom writing all these great books? 
she doesn't really think anything <laughs> of it really i mean i think she thinks it's just kind of a normal thing that people do um she is completely obsessed with books she um generally reads for about two hours before she can fall asleep it's, it's definitely a big book household that's for sure Thanks so much to Julia for being on the podcast. And thanks, as always, to you, our listeners, for subscribing and listening to Writing the Coast. If you want to learn more about the BC and Yukon Book Prizes, don't forget to visit our website, bcyukonbookprizes.com. I know I've said this before, but if you want to stay in the loop about all things BC and Yukon Book Prizes, find us on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Next time on Writing the Coast, you'll hear my conversation with Wendy Wickwire, author of At the Bridge, James Tate, and an Anthropology of Belonging, which was nominated for the 2020 Roderick Haig Brown Regional Prize. Thanks for listening to Writing the Coast.